Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Master. We worship you, Lord, this evening time. We thank you, Lord, because you are an awesome and a prayer answering God. You've been true to us, O Master. Your faithfulness has never changed from year to year, from time to time. Father, you are the same unchanging God, O Lord. And Father, we, we go from faith to faith, O Lord, in our walk with you, O Master. And Father, we, as we see more of your virtue, more of your power, more of your glory, O Lord, help us to reflect that in our day-to-day -day living, in our lives, O Master. Help us to walk in that walk of victory that you have called us to, O Lord. Father, even as the days are closing in, O Master, and the time is running out, Father, help us to accomplish much more than what we could have ever done before, O Master. But even as the word has come to our church, O Lord, that we are living in times and seasons, and God is in charge of those seasons, but he is going to change the times for his people, O Master. And Father, help us not to lose out, O Lord, on our Kronos moment, O Master. Father, let it become real to us, O Lord. Father, let us know about everything, O Lord. Your spirit strives with men even this time. And for things that have been impossible for us in the past many seasons are going to be possible in this season that is, Lord, you opened up for us, O Master. And help us to believe it, O Lord. Help us to believe it, O Master. And even as you open through your scripture the word of God today, O Lord, help us to take that into our heart, O Lord. Things that were impossible before are possible now just because God says so. We thank you, O Lord, because you are good. Father, let the Holy Spirit teach us, O Lord, mightily today and touch our hearts. Let it become a rhema word to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We, are, we had a wonderful Bible study last time. Uh, John had taken a session on private worship. How many of you were there? Private worship? It was good. It was really powerful. In fact, we do have the message on audio. <laughs> yeah, we did record that for the first time. So if anybody is interested, let us know. You know, I'll keep my It's a very powerful testimony of uh, John spoke about it from his own life. But the things that God is teaching him about private worship and how he's applying it and seeing the fruits of it. Very powerful. Uh, so we are here in September 2009. Um, I was thinking uh, uh, during this week, I, one of my during one of my quiet times, I was going through Second uh, Chronicles chapter twenty and studying about Jehoshaphat and about his uh, victory. Yeah, you've you've heard that before, but it it really the couple of verses in that whole passage really impressed me very deeply, and we'll go through that. And I almost felt the spirit of God telling me, tease that, talk about that, you know. Uh, and as preparing for the session, I was going through all the points of this passage. It really is a summary of all that we studied up till now. Technically, everything that we have studied up till now, it's kind of, this whole passage brings it up. Okay, this is going to be one message where the title changes from the beginning, and it changed by the time you finish it. <laughs> uh, so, so you all have an assignment during this session You'll have to think for a, think about a title for this message. But don't tell me now. Tell me at the end. So that way I can know whether Pramod is sleeping or not. <laughs> so you'll have to give me a relevant title at the end. So, uh, so, but the title at the beginning is Responding to Crisis, the Jehoshaphat Way. 
responding to crisis, the Jerushofat way. Uh, had, facing crisis in our life is nothing unusual. I mean, the level of crisis changes from person to person, time to time. We are constantly running into crisis. But how do you respond to crisis? Number one, as a born again child of God. How do you respond to crisis? So let's go through that. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verses, now this is a large chapter, but not necessarily read through every verse of it, but just key points out of it. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20 verses 1 to 30. Maybe we can read uh, two verses just across. Awesome. How's this passage? Nice, right? <coughs> a beautiful passage. For once, a king gets it right. <laughs> I mean, you go through Chronicles and First Kings, Second Kings, all the time you're looking at kings who got it wrong, or constantly. But this is like one king that got it right, right from beginning to the end. Uh, and we'll just go through some of the principles. How do you respond to crisis in your life? And, and we run through crisis every day. I mean, small crisis, big crisis, but we are constantly facing crisis. And as a believer, how do you respond to crisis? And the reason is your response determines its outcome. Now, that, that, that kind of uh, is, kind, uh, what do you call, uh, contraintuitive in, in the sense because you think that crisis happens the way it's going to happen, it's going to happen, what is decided as going to happen. It's not like that. In fact, all of scripture shows us that your response decides the outcome. So can my crisis change because of my response? Yes. And that's what this whole scripture is talking about. And we'll go through this right from beginning. Let's look at the first verse. And you'll have to hang in with me because there's stuff in here. It's heavy, but I don't want to break it into two sessions because you might not be there next time. <laughs> 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 Did I start something wrong? But <laughs> only speaking to a studio now next time. <laughs> and somebody did warn me that. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's look at the first verse. Now this happened. Now. What's happening in Jerushalayim is uh, this is a divided kingdom of Israel. We have Judah and we have Israel. Israel has been following all the evil practices and. But the king of Judah has been following the Lord. And God is pretty pleased with this kingdom. And this kingdom is prospering. During the years of prosperity, three kingdoms come against the king, kingdom of Judah. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and uh, people from the Mount Seir. So technically three traditional enemies of Israel come together to fight against Judah. So this was unprecedented. This is the first. So they did gather a huge army to come against uh, Judah. Now, look at the verse second. And I want you to go through this because I'll tell you some of the key elements that is so common to every crisis. And you'll be amazed how it is not changed from year to year. Uh, from generation to generation, the ingredients of a crisis remains the same. But what is the first <coughs> ingredient of a crisis? Verse two. Pia, you said? No. What is the first ingredient of a crisis? Verse 2. A report. You always see a, a crisis starts, originates with a report. Look at the report that came. Then some came and told Jerusalem, saying, A great multitude is coming 
against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan Tamar, that is En Gedi, which is still there in Israel. So what is the first ingredient of a crisis? A report. A report. Now, we will, interesting thing is we'll, we'll, we will look at this report again at the end of this whole session, okay? Hang, hang with me on this. So we look at this whole report again with the virtue of what happened at the end of it and we look at whether the report was correct and how he could have said it differently. But the interesting thing about reports is, and this happens all the time, I, I know we have studied about it, but man, we, we are so trained <laughs> in the natural way to respond to a report that we always get it wrong. Now, let me repeat this. The report you hear may be true, but its deductions are not. Let me repeat again. The report that you hear may be true, but its deductions may not be true. Now let, uh, so was this report true? Yes. 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 Was the deduction necessarily true? No. 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 What's the deduction out here? They're going to get, they're going to get slaughtered, you know? The deduction. In fact, in fact, let's look at the report itself. Let's look at the report. Did they say that they're going to get defeated in the report? No. no. So what is what is the report out here? So what about the report is true and what about the report may not be true? Multitude is true. There is a huge multitude that is coming. Whether is it against you is a deduction that the person made, right? Hey, there might be a lot of people coming. They may be coming to bless you. Right? I mean, who is telling you that they are coming to kill you? Let's look at it differently. So there's a great multitude that is coming from great far distance coming. Now, deduction, immediate deduction is they're coming against you. So whenever you hear a report, immediately try to separate the report from the implication and the deduction. Only if you can do that, half your battle is won against the enemy. Always. So the first deduction, don't make any deductions of a report. Hear the report. There's no harm in hearing a report. <coughs> but don't have to necessarily deduct. If at all you're going to deduct, deduct error on the positive. If you're going to be wrong, let's be wrong on the positive. So you hear a great army coming, you know what? They're going to come here to bless me. <laughs> Ridiculous as it seems, that's exactly what happened. I mean, because you read the whole passage, what did you know about it? Forget the whole spirituality in this whole passage. Forget the prayers, forget the, uh, forget the intercession, forget the uh, prophets, forget, cut it all out. H historically, what has happened out here? There was a king, there was a nation, there were a lot of armies who came to the edge of that kingdom and gave them ornaments. Right? And they, had, they gave them so many ornaments that three days they could not finish collecting it. Basically in one line, you got the whole picture. Forget about all the crisis and all. Look at it that way. God brought three great kingdoms and saved on transportation costs. <laughs> to bring your wealth to your border. Right? So, you look at, so the way you look at crisis is 
opportunities that God is creating to bless you. Look at crisis like that. Don't look at the deductions that you normally are trained to think about. That's how you do it. Now you are you are a child of God. You are go, not going to think the deductions. Let me give an example. Uh, uh, when we say reports in the Bible, can you give me a very famous report in the Bible? Yes, the spies. Went to the spies. I mean, <laughs> like, we've been taught right from childhood, Sunday school. Report means spies. Spies bought an evil report. Let's look at the report. Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 to 33. Okay, what was the report that the spies brought? 27 to 33. And I, I, you don't have to read it, but let's re hear some of the reports. 27. We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So you have visual evidence of the report. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified. That's a true report. They are very large. That's a true report. We have seen the descendants of, descendants of Anak there, the giants. That's a true report. The Amakalites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks. Look at Caleb. Caleb quietened the people before Moses. Why? They were giving a right report, right? But Caleb was stopping what? He was stopping the, the deductions. You see, he, he, he had the spirit of God. He knew the report is correct, but the people are starting to deduct totally contrary to what God is promising them. And he had the spirit of God. That's why God allowed him because he was deducting, he was sensing that they were deducting wrong. And you're not supposed to deduct that. And immediately, and see, even before the deductions were verbalized, Caleb sensed it. And then look at it. 31. The but the people who had gone up with them and said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than us. You made a deduction right away that you cannot go up. Let's look at Mark chapter 5. One more report and then we'll close that. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. Uh, in, uh, look at about Jairus' daughter. Mark chapter 5. And you know about the Jairus' daughter story where Jairus' daughter gets, uh, is almost to the point of death and they are uh, pleading with Jesus to please hurry up. And he knows this whole story. And in the middle, the woman comes who wants to be healed and God, Jesus spends some more time with her. And just as he expected, Jairus' daughter dies. Verse 35. And while he was still speaking, while Jesus was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, said, saying, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? Can you read that in the King James Version, the traditional King James Version? Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? Okay, so where is, where is the report and where is the deduction? Yeah, what, what, so what is the report? 
Daughter is dead is a true report. We are not fighting reports. Now let's look at it. As believers, we are not called to say that the report is not true. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's why unbelievers call us liars. You know. <laughs> I mean, we are not. We are not talking about uh, negating the reports. No, 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 no. I think what you're missing out. That's why. You know, many times the doctors will, doctors will give us a report and we say, no, 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 that's not true. No, no, it is true. Relax. <laughs> that's, that's not, let's not tell them that the drug is true. And don't, you know, don't paint them all like they are the ungodly tribe that God has created on the earth. You know, we are the blessing of tribe. You know, they're telling you a right report. But the deduction is necessarily wrong. And many times doctors want to volunteer the deduction, you know. So that's where... You know, we, we, we kind of filter that out. Now the report is, your daughter is dead. dead. What's the deduction? I like the King James. Why troublest thy master anymore? <laughs> you know? Like in a very royal way, you know, I like that. Okay, now as a believer, what the question, the, the, what should have been the report, the correct report? Can somebody volunteer a correct report out here? Sam, give me a correct report to this report. To this one? Yeah. I mean, there's no change. The report is that she's still dead, right? Okay. And uh, give me a correct deduction. Now, suppose I, I'm telling you to do, leave, to go ahead and give the message instead of this person who brought this message. Because immediately Jesus, what did he say? As soon as Jesus heard the word in verse 36, See, generation to generation, the deductions of a report changes the outcome. Jesus knew that. Verse 36, I mean, here is the Son of God, the most anointed one, the only one of all heaven. And Jesus is saying, relax, relax, don't mess my, my mission, you know. He, he is pretty much saying, man, don't, don't mess it up, you know, because I cannot, I cannot heal. I cannot heal. He's pretty, do not be afraid. Only believe. So you're saying that the deduction was wrong, correct? Okay, now tell me, how would you say the same report again? She's dead, but she's in a hurry. The hesitation that he has is an indication of how prone we are in unbelief, right? You know, because we are not used to giving a report like that. You know, because we are so trained for years and years to always deduct negative. You know, it's so hard for us to say. You know, so technically, it almost appears so humorous. You know, it's almost like, you'll have to say in King James. Now, why don't you try that in King James? In King James is, the daughter is dead, honey is thou even further. <laughs> Seriously, isn't that what he's supposed to say? So, so technically, what should he be saying? What did he say, what did he say in the, the report? The daughter is dead. Why trouble is thy master any further? Any further? So what you're supposed to say technically would have been, the daughter is dead. Please, uh, please trouble thy master even further. Correct? Please trouble thy master even further. Hurry thy master even further. That's faith. Correct? That's faith. So see the deduction out here that the master, I mean the only one, the anointed one, the only one who can even heal, should not be troubled. Basically, he's talking about that Jesus, you, why waste his time? Because he cannot he raise up the dead. Look at the deduction. And that deduction could have stopped Jairus' miracle. You see the power of a deduction, a wrong deduction in a report? And you always have to separate that if you want to get your outcome. 
So what happens is as believers, we are so trained in the report, negative deductions, and then we can, then it's so hard to fight it. Because you've already exercised your God-given ability to believe for what you receive, what you will believe. You already confess it, you believe it, and therefore you receive it. You receive what? You receive your deduction. And that deduction was death. And therefore Jesus was quick at that moment saying, do not believe that report. Only believe. Okay. Let's go back to First Chron Second Chronicles chapter 20 again. So the report came and verse 3. And what is the second ingredient of a crisis in our response is out here. <coughs> verse 3. What is the, uh, what's the ingredient out here? Fear. It's all the time. We go through this every time. A crisis happens, originates with a report. We deduct a wrong thing, generates fear. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Now I like that. Fear in, in, it, in its essence on its own necessarily is not going to create a wrong outcome. What's going to create a wrong outcome? Your response to that fear. Your response to that fear. Now technically he should not have even feared. But given that he feared, what is worse is in response to that fear. It's in response to that fear. I want you to go to... Remember we had taken a session some time back. Uh, I don't know how many of you all were there. Uh, it was a good session. It was called Fear, a Destroyer of God's Greater Promises. Uh, and we studied about some of the... There's one thing... I, it, it, we talked about a lot of things in that in that session, but I want you to take uh, uh, think about this this statement that I'm making, and think about it every time you respond in fear. Re fear is a corruption of your first response. Let me repeat: fear is a corruption of your first response. Now look at what Adam Adam's feared, right? What is Adam's response to the Lord when he came calling him out? Yeah. So what was his words to Jesus, uh, to the Lord? Genesis chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10. Somebody can quickly go there and just tell me the exact words. But here is God coming to a sinful man. He's not coming to a righteous man, right? He is sinned, but God is ready to come to him. But what was his response? I heard your voice and I was afraid. No, that's not the word. That's not the exact word. He was running from God. No, no, I like, that's his response. But I'm saying, what's the exact word? Let's, let's hear what he said. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Okay, and then what did Adam say? The Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid, my, I hid myself. I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked, and therefore I, I hid. So you see all this deduction that is going on out here? I am, I was afraid, I heard your voice, and I was not afraid of your voice. See, we think that God, Adam was afraid of his voice. No, he was not afraid of the voice. What was he afraid of? The fact that he was naked. The fact that he was naked. Therefore, what did I do? I went and hid. You see, his response to God in fear was negative. Correct? 
So what was God's response to him? God's response to him was what? Who told you that you were naked? But but God is not negating that fact. That is a true report, right? He was naked, correct? So what is God's response to that nakedness? No. What is God's response to that nakedness? Covering him. You see, the one who could cover him, he is running away from. You see, what does fear generate? Fear generates a contrary response to the right thing all the time. I want you to think about it all the time. Anytime there is fear in your life, it always generates a contrary response to the right thing. So your right thing out there should have been, Adam's response should have been, see, exactly the opposite, correct? He should have been, oh my Lord, I'm naked, cover me. You see, why? Wasn't God looking out for him? Did God say that you are naked? I mean, he brought it up. Or even if he felt he was naked, he should have said, Lord, cover me. Ultimately, it was God who covered him, right? Because his fig leaves would not have lasted two hours. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what do you want? Everlasting mist to keep him too wet? <laughs> you know, or until, of course, he starts, you know, growing the leaves from his body. <laughs> what, is, what did he expect the leaves to hang in there? No, you know. He has to run. He has to run to run to God. Run to God. I mean, see, fear makes you do foolish things. Fear makes you do a foolish thing. So, so the first response in a crisis is you get a report. Don't deduct. If you want to deduct, go ahead and deduct the most positive things. Even it's even if it appears the most ridiculous. Believe me, the chances of those occurring are more likely in the will of God than the opposite. I mean, who would ever think three armies will come to bless them? Think about it. Whoever would have thought if somebody would have woken him up and say, Jeshaphat, you know what? Three armies are going to bring the wealth to your doorstep. All you have to do is just go there and just spend three days collecting it. I mean, that's what the report is. It looks ridiculous. I mean, look at all your crises like that. Look at it as opportunities for great prosperity and wealth and victory. Because that's what God has glorified in. He wants you, God wants to show himself strong to his people. And the people don't care. They, don't, they never give them God an opportunity to show off. Man, he's the one who made the heavens and the galaxies. And with the new Hubble telescope, you're still discovering. When areas that they think there is nothing out there, you're finding billions more. I mean, he has, they say there are stars that have at the core of a million miles of just solid diamond. They, they know that because of the pressures that are that there are million miles of just solid one piece diamond at some of the centers of the stars. I mean, here is a God who shows himself to be strong and he's able to do that. All he's expecting us for us is for us to believe and receive. Believe and receive. I like this. Uh, many of you have seen this YouTube video about this uh, guy catching a foul ball and giving it to his daughter. You see that? You should, you should check that out. This last week, there was this guy who was excited. He catches a foul ball in the stands and he jumps up and he's so happy and he gives it to the small, his daughter. And the daughter automatically takes it and just throws it out. <laughs> and I like the response of the father, you know, I mean, that's, it makes me guilty, you know. Our response, typically a Malayali response would be, <laughs> His response was, oh, no, 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 come and, you know, hug me. Man, that's awesome. It really touched a lot of people's hearts, you know. 
and it had so many views. But when you think about it, it is God wanting to get the best things for you and give it to you. You know? And many times we would just, hey, what's all this? You know? <laughs> Throw it out. God wants to show himself strong to you and I. And you have to allow him to do it. But let, let not fear be a corruption of your first response. So here was a classic case where fear was a corruption of the response. Uh, could have been a corruption of the response to, of Jehoshaphat. But Jehoshaphat did the right thing. See how he starts turning away from a conventional response to a crisis? He does the, he does the right thing. Immediately, I mean, imagine if a guy is getting all the armies coming against him. The last thing that he should be doing is spending time in the temple. In the natural, the last thing he should be doing is calling all the people to have a fast and spend time in the... Go ahead and prepare. I mean, that's what even now, even believers, we would start thinking. But here was a case where he knew what he knew from his experience. What, what is his response? He said himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. Uh, we all know this verse, and uh, we'll, we'll finish off on the fear part of it from here. Romans chapter 8, verses 15, and we know this verse. For you have not received a bondage. <coughs> Correct. The operative word is? No. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. What is the operative word out there? I want you to go to Romans chapter 8, because it's such a powerful passage. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of things in there, very powerful. But with respect to... Uh, can somebody read that? Abba Father. There are two things. One, he says, We have not received a bondage. Again. Again, Again is the operative <coughs> word. Of Why is it an operative, such an important word? Because the conventional way is to fear. But he says, We were a type who would always. Fear, but we are not under the bondage. Now we do not again constantly respond to crisis in fear. We do not again fear because we are now delivered from the spirit completely. Once for all, we are not going to again fear. We have feared in the past. We have responded like that in the past, but now we will not respond again. Again, remember, let me repeat after me. Again. Again. So every time you fear, don't think about it. Again, you are doing the same thing that you did before you were a believer. What's the difference? You're doing the same thing. Your response in your flesh is the same thing. Don't respond again in fear. Why? Why? And Paul says that. Why? Why should you not respond again in fear? You have not received the spirit of bondage. Again to fear. Why? Because you have now received a spirit of adoption by which you can call Abba Father is what is Abba? Daddy. So because now you've got a spirit that calls out what? Daddy. Daddy. Abba is Arabic. I mean, tell me in your language. <laughs> Abba is Daddy. I mean, how many of you all call God Daddy in your private prayers? You know, there you go. You will see a relationship change when you start dealing with your God as your Daddy. Because that is what God has initiated because of your relationship with Christ for the first time. It was the Jews were ready to stone Jesus for because he called God his father. And that privilege is now given to you and me. I want you to think about it. 
the Jews were ready to stone Jesus who could rightly call God Father and Jesus says that privilege I'm giving it to you now you can call Abba Father do not now fear so see the response is now how much more in the new covenant in the blood of Jesus we can call God daddy daddy I mean if anything that we can if you're if you're stuck in a crisis you're tense you don't know what to do the least the least you should do is say daddy 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 you know just just like you do to your natural father you'd run to him run to him and call him daddy start having a relationship that he is your daddy and that's what the spirit of Abba is there's nothing else beyond it. the spirit of Abba is the spirit of daddy God I, it sounds it sounds uh, what do you call it irreverence or it sounds kosher you know it's like how dare you call daddy god daddy are you do do we care is he's out there no 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 that separation has been broken down by jesus and he makes you and he's telling you and i went back in the scripture to find in the old testament where god is related to his father very few there are there are very few again it talks never in terms of personal it talks in uh, when god told uh, pharaoh i have called Israel is my firstborn and I've called them out of Egypt. I'm, you know, very, very impersonal in terms of nations. But in, in New Testament, you look at father, oh man, Jesus is telling you, talk to your father, talk to your father. He broke that down because he's, that's available. Why should we not walk in it when he said that we are, he's our father? Call him daddy, call him daddy. And uh, if, you, if you're not convinced <laughs> what I say, that you can't call him daddy, look at this. First uh, John chapter 4 verse 17 I'm going to read it read you in a paraphrase he says love is perfected amongst us and this is how we know he says this is how you will know that you have perfect love this is how you know that you will have perfect love because we will have boldness in the day of judgment and as he is so we are in the world how is God in the heaven how is God he's fearless so he said just like he is you are in this world so we are not called to have a spirit of fear. We get it, but we are supposed to triumph over it. And he said, this is our perfect love. If you don't have perfect love in your life, you will, you will have a spirit of fear. Now, uh, let me break it down. When it says perfect love, what is he talking about? Total trust. Total trust is your response. What does perfect love mean? How, how does perfect love drive out every fear? Somebody. See, Paul is saying perfect love is demonstrated in this. This is how you will know that you are perfect love when you have boldness in the day of judgment and as, so, as he is so we are in the world. How, how does love cast out all fear? There is no fear in love. Uh, does it kind of uh, make sense? Like if you know that God is pleased with you completely. He is so happy with you. And you so will you be afraid of him? No. You unconditional. He loves you. He just he doesn't care what you do, but he just loves you. He just loves you. So do you have any fear now of him? No. Fear comes because of lack of love. Lack of love, not not of you towards him. Lack of love of your perception of his love for you. <coughs> you see that same place of that Adam syndrome. What's the Adam syndrome? I am afraid because I am naked and therefore I hid myself. Because what is he doubting? 
Yes, he is doubting that God is going to burn him up, chew him up, because he is naked. He is afraid of God. And God is saying, no, now you can call me Abba Father, therefore you have perfect love. So even if you sin, even if you have trouble in your life, no, that's not an excuse at all to come before God's grace and say, Abba Father, I have every right to receive from you. Jehoshua Father is a classic case. You don't hear a lot of confession out here in his prayers. I mean, the, that's very contrary to what we have been technically taught. Yeah, it's important to confess. But God is always saying, get over it. You confess it, I've forgiven it 2,000 years back, get over it. Now walk with me as a son. Don't keep coming every five minutes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, which father likes his son who keeps walking in? You know, my father, I'm so sorry, I broke the pot. <laughs> after t- he's, okay, I forgive you. Father, I'm so sorry, I just broke the fridge. <laughs> you know, after five minutes, you know, Father, I'm so sorry, I broke the table. I mean, like, he's going to get wild, you know. I mean, don't keep coming back. Keeping on telling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He doesn't want that. He wants to hear how good you are, right? He wants to know how good you are, how good you are. So start building a relationship of love towards the Father, as Abba Father. And you'll see that that fear will go off. And Jerusalem started, had, had been walking in it. Let's go back to first Chronicles. Jehoshaphat stood and he said, and look at his prayers. And we had studied about this three uh, before. And the things that Jehoshaphat did, did not do is perhaps as important as the things that he did. Give me an example of the things that he did not do in this passage. Give some ideas over the things that he did not do in this passage. He did not let the report get the better of him, and you know, panic. He didn't panic. He didn't panic. He didn't, panic. he didn't weep all night. He didn't weep all night. Good. Give me some more. places and what are these armies that are coming towards me? He never blamed God. Of all the things in a crisis, let me tell you, <laughs> if all the things in a crisis, please do not blame God for it. A lot of people spiritualize it. And I'm telling you, they learn to spiritualize stuff. Do not, God does not want your privilege of spiritualizing his defeats. Doesn't, God doesn't want that. That's not glory God in the things that he does not want to get glory for. He did not bring these armies against him. He is not, I mean, so what is what? He brings the armies, he defeats them. What kind of God is this? You know, he's not out there. It is the powers that are enemies that are lined up against you that bring stuff into your life. Do not blame God. Let me give a classic example of Sarah. Sarah, Genesis chapter 16, verse 2. <coughs> what did Sarah say about how did Ishmael come into existence? What are Sarah's words, exact words? Look at it. Sarah had a crisis in her life. What was her response? Genesis chapter 16, verse 2. 
Sarah said to Abraham, Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Amen. No, sorry, I should not use the word Amen. What did he say? What did she say? The Lord has prevented. The Lord has prevented me from having children. No, was that true? No. No. But it is a nice spiritual thing. It's very spiritual. God has prevented me from having children. Just because you say so doesn't make it so. So do not blame God in your crisis. And then he brought Hagar into the picture. And then we know the, all the things that's happened. You know? You know everything about that. But do not blame God in your crisis. In this case, Jehoshaphat did not blame God. Nor did he turn away from God. You see, many times crisis is, <coughs> uh, discourages you. And you say, like, man, I've lived my life, I did all the right things, but I'm still suffering the same things that the world suffers. I mean, what big deal? You know, I'd rather just, you know, do this stuff. Uh, just in a couple of passages before in Second Chronicles uh, uh, 16, verse 2, Asa was a king who lived righteously, but he had a disease in his feet. And the Bible talks about him, yet he did not see God and turn to the physicians. In those days, the physicians were more of what he called pagan uh, witchcraft doctors, you know. So he said, they did not, he did not see God even in his sickness. Why? Because God expects that in every crisis, you run back to our Father. You run back to our Father. <coughs> and let's look at the, uh, the prayer of Jehoshaphat. You would see a couple of things about it. You studied once that the most important thing in a crisis is to get perspective. Remember that? You studied that? Get perspective. Get perspective. Get perspective. What are the three perspectives that you need to get? Get perspective of? First. First of God. Second? Of who, of who you are. And number three? Get perspective of? Of the enemy. Correct. If you look at three things all the time, get perspective. Get perspective of who? God, God is. Get perspective of who? Yourself. You are. And get perspective of who the enemy is. Let's look at whether Jehoshaphat followed this. Let's look at it. Did he say, did he get a perspective of who God is? How? Look, look at the way he starts off it. You, O God, are a God of a Father. You are God in heaven. You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. Your hand is so great. There is no power and no might that can withstand you. Are you not the God who drew out the inhabitants of the land, of your people, to the descendants of Abraham? What is he getting? What is he getting? He's getting the perspective of God. In every crisis, the enemy comes to destroy your perspective. He, he can win against you if you don't have a perspective of God. So what you do is, a lot of people say, you know, you need to remind God of your of His promises. It's, it's spiritual, but it's technically not correct. Why? God has not forgotten His promises. God is not the one who's forgotten His promises. Who's forgotten the promises? You. So when you remind God technically of His promises, what is that doing to you? You are reminding yourself of who He is. As we say, you know, Faith moves the, moves the hand of God. It's not like God is stuck. No, God is never stuck. Who, who is getting moved towards God? It's you. It's you who move towards God. God is never stuck. God doesn't need any rem remembrance of his promises. He knows his promises. But we remind ourselves of the perspective of who God is. Because if we know who God is, we can win. 
in every crisis. We can win in every crisis. Second, does he get a perspective of himself or of 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 the people? Give me an example in this passage where he gives a, gets a perspective of the people who they who he is. That is what that is what God does. I'm telling you, uh, uh, it's, the second is how to get a perspective of yourself. Verse 7, are you not our God who drove the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Yes. So what is he identifying himself as? Number one, a descendant, a man, a, a nation under covenant with Abraham. Number one. Number two? And this Abraham is a friend for ever. So he's right. He's coming before God as somebody who intercedes for a need as a friend needs from another friend. So he's saying, I'm a friend. I stand here as a friend. How much more today in the position that you stand in? What position do you stand in? As a son. We stand in as a position of a son. So when we go and say, Lord, I am your son. I'm go I, I need victory in this area because I am your son. I have to receive it because every promise that you gave it to Jesus is mine. So you, you start getting a perspective of who you are. And it doesn't come just because you say it. You, 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 you meant, I mean, that's where the word of God comes into picture. When we said that get perspective, the only way you can get perspective is when you start meditating on the word of God and say, every time you're struggling in some area of your life, find perspective, find who God is in this situation, find who you are in this situation. Can you, why should he bless you? You say, no, I need to be blessed. It's my right. I am his son. I need to be blessed. I need to walk out victoriously. And I so many times in this workplace, uh, last couple of uh, weeks, actually a couple of months, you know, I can see that the boss is trying to favor somebody more, you know, in terms of giving more orders, more business. And every time I'm almost tempted to speak out in my flesh, God reminds me, I am your source, not him. I am your source, not him. And I constantly tell myself, no Lord, you are my source. And every time I do that, miraculously I get more orders than what he had intended. So, from somewhere. You have to constantly remind yourself in corporate life, in your family life, man is not your source. It is God is your source. So don't depend on the flesh. The flesh is deceitful. He wants to get you to fight there. Do not say God is my source. I am his child. He is going to bless me. And you need to walk in the confidence. It comes back to the same thing. Perfect love casts out all fear. And this is how we know perfect love is. When we have no fear, we know we can walk in presence. And third one is, does he get a perspective of his enemy? Do we get a perspective of the enemy in this passage? Verse 12. Oh our God, will you not judge them? Because he says they are under judgment. Because they did something totally wrong. They were not supposed to come into the land of our inheritance. And they did something wrongly. Will you not judge them? So when you look at your enemies, your enemies is never flesh and blood. But you need to say that they are put underneath our feet. All the time. You, they do not have power to rise up against you, to delay stuff, to make things wrong. They are under your feet. Once you get perspective, you will get the word of God in your life. Now many times there is a general word of God and then there is a situational word of God. Now what's a situational word of God? What does God want you to do in that circumstance? 
It's apart from God's greater plan of you in your life. But remember, the situational world in, in your life will always be subject to the overall will of God in your life. God is not going to make you do stuff that is contrary to the overall will of God in your life. Let me repeat, God in your situational world will not tell you something contrary to the overall will of God in your life. He will not tell you to do something evil. He will not tell you to do something different which is contrary to the overall will of God in your life. And what the word of God came. And he said, do not be afraid or dismayed by the spirit of God. By this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but, but God. And there's one, uh, there's a third ingredient in any crisis. The ingredient is scale and magnitude. Uh, repeat after me. Scale, scale magnitude, magnitude has no bearing for God. Scale and magnitude has no bearing for God. In every crisis, many times a crisis becomes a crisis. Surely, is there a word called surely? No. Surely because of the scale and magnitude. Scale and magnitude has no bearing. And let me make a statement and remember this any time in a crisis. Scale and magnitude is just a distraction. Scale and magnitude is just a distraction. In fact, bigger is better for God because God gets the glory. Amen? Amen. Bigger is better for God because God gets the glory. Scale and magnitude has no bearing for God. Flesh hates scale and magnitude. We can handle two, we can handle four, but if you get me 20, I'm going to fall. Why? Nothing has changed in terms of promises of God if it is one or many. The Bible says God can save with one or with many. He doesn't care. Scale doesn't matter to God. Remember this. This is so much in our flesh. If there's a big problem, I cannot solve it. If it's a small problem, I can handle it. Cold, kind of law. Cancer, no. <laughs> it's scale. It's always scale. It's every area. One day's bread, yes. Ten years, no way. I don't have the money. Yo guys, you need to make some time. This is so interesting. You go to John chapter 6. I tell you this whole issue of scale and magnitude. You remember this where Jesus uh, had this uh, people who had come to be fed and they ran out of food. They were in the wilderness feeding the 5,000. Look at John chapter 6 verse 5. What did Jesus say? Jesus do. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Okay. <laughs> in the regular version? <laughs> <laughs> In the regular version, Jesus therefore lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? Okay, so what did Philip reply? At this he was saying to uh, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive it. Okay, Jesus looks at this great multitude. Look at scale. Look at scale, okay? I want you to get a picture of how you can. You can win so many battles in your life if you can just get rid of the scale problem. Okay? Tell, repeat after me, the scale problem. Scale problem. See, many of your guys are potential millionaires out here, but what's stopping you from walking into that realm is what? The scale problem. Because you think you can earn 50,000, but you cannot think yourself as earning 
familiar, simply because it's in your mind. It's a scale problem. Your level of mediocrity, let's put it that way, stops you. It's nothing to do with God. Okay, what did Jesus, now Jesus' question to Philip was what? Yeah, so what was the question? Translate. Where can we get that? No, 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 no. Look at the words. What is he asking? No, no, no. See, we are trying to understand Jesus too much. Let's not understand Jesus too much. As, as, as Pastor was talking about, these are simple questions and the, the, the guy at the pool of Bethsaida gives a totally different, good answer, but wrong question, you know? Wrong. When can we buy food? Yeah, so Jesus' question to Philip was what? When can we buy food? No. Yeah. No! What's Jesus' question to Philip? <laughs> I hope you're not telling that to me. <laughs> oh, man. So Jesus Christ, Jesus is, now Jesus, Jesus, okay. Jesus looking at this great multitude, so we are talking about scale, okay? He is not talking about a few, we are talking about 5,000 with children and wives coming towards him, okay? Jesus looks at this huge multitude and he looks at Peter, sorry, Philip, <laughs> As James talking, you know, it's important to know who you sit next to. <laughs> so like Philip got caught because maybe he was just standing next to Jesus, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and he looks at Philip and he says, where can we buy food to feed this multitude? So the question was, where, no, 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 that's the question. Man, what's the problem with you all? <laughs> Could you know the question? Oh, just super spiritual guys. Can you just read plain English? All he wants to know, where can we just go ahead and buy food for these people? Yeah, all he wanted to know is where to go and buy them. Man, why do you super spiritualize all these things? <laughs> He's asking where can we buy the food? So what is the next verse in the Bible? What says Jesus asked this thing? Why? Yeah, what's the full verse? Yes! Yes! What's the yes in it? Jesus asked this to test Philip because he already knew what he's going to do. What's the implication of it? The battle is the Lord's. Scale belongs to the, the Lord. He will always test you with scale. But the job of doing is his. So tell, repeat after me. Scale belongs to God. Scale belongs to God. Our job is never to worry about scale. Who ever told you that you are supposed to worry about scale? That is powerful, I tell you. As somebody said, I preach myself excited. <laughs> it's so powerful because it is it's so true. Yeah? No, 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 no. We're not supposed to worry about scale. See, it's like I can handle five pounds, but I cannot handle ten. But God is saying, stop worrying about scale. Give the scale back to me. Give the scale back to me. Don't, see, that's what, that's what, um, that's a scale problem. Like, I can handle this, I can't handle that. But God is saying, you cannot handle this too. Give it to me. The battle is the Lord's. Scale belongs to God. So that Jesus was smart. He is God. He's the same God who was talking to Jehoshaphat through the Spirit. He's the same God. He's not changed from generation to generation. He's telling Philip, 
where can we buy food? So he's waiting. What is he? What is he? What's the reply that he needs from Philip? Okay, forget what he. What's the reply he wanted from Philip? But what's the Philip answer that Philip gave? Yes. So he's telling Jesus what? You know what? You don't have enough money to feed them. You know, all he had to do was get all the denarii that he had and Jesus could multiply the denarii. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we always think of multiplying the bread and the fish. Is it hard to, that God, for God to multiply the denarii? Yeah. No. No? Why? It's not tough. If you can multiply living fish, you can surely multiply dead denarii. Have you ever thought about it? Why didn't he just multiply the denarii? No, no, no. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Philip said, I, I have only 200 denarii. So there was a problem out here. So what he is telling to Jesus? The deduction? The deduction is, man, you don't have money. You don't have money. So what, so, so what should have Philip said? You know, Jesus, I don't have enough money. Can you multiply the money so I can go ahead and buy food? That would have been a good answer, but that would not have been an adequate answer. Why? Because there was not enough places to buy food for that man. That's why Jesus asked the question. He didn't ask, how much will it take to buy food? That was not the question. The question was, where can we buy food? Because I don't have to worry about denarii, Philip. I'll get you denarii. You just tell me, where can I get food? So answer the question, Philip. <laughs> the question is, where can I get food? Philip says, denarii not enough. Jesus said, stop it. I can get you denarii. When Peter wanted to pay the temple tax, what did Jesus say? Go fish. Always Jesus had more than enough in his ministry. Whoever told Jesus was poor in his ministry. He had more than enough. He had no problem of resources. But the problem was limitation on availability. So he said, I need to do a miracle. So he did a miracle. So scale belongs to God. If you can believe that, you know that subtle, subtle level of unbelief that is in your life of scale that stops you from being a blessing to the kingdom of God? It's because of the scale problem. I can't believe. And so many years I've struggled. Lord, I cannot believe. I don't know. I don't know whether you can bless me with so much. You know, I can't handle all that wealth. You know. So God says, okay, as you say so. You know. You know. So you have to start believing out for those limitations. Are you faithful to believe for great things? Are you credible enough in your own mind? Leave the scale to God. Let God bless you with one or with many, but let leave Him the business of doing the scale. You do not. That's why he said, the battle belongs to the Lord. So all they had to do was just go ahead and stand and watch. The battle belongs. In your practice, from what God tells you this right now. You do not, do not believe for scale. God is going to pour out so many things into your life. If only you can just receive him. Receive him. Do not be limited by the things that you are seeing that he is limited in. You can, God is going to break those doors and limitations in your life. Let the scale belong to God. Let the scale belong to God. The battle is not yours. Repeat. Battle, battle is, is not, not yours. yours. Battle is not yours. 
It's his job. He wants to show himself faithful. The reason big fights are popular is why? Why do you think big fights are popular? Yeah, why is they popular? It's a big event. But why is it popular? It's entertaining, but why is it popular? No, it's popular because you are not in it. <laughs> Ask the guy who is there. <laughs> why are big fights entertaining? Because you're not in it. Right? Isn't that, that's, that is always the truth, right? Big fights are entertaining because you're not in it. So let your big God fight your big battles. Alright? Let your big God fight your big battles. Let him fight it out, man. You just go out and stand and freak out and enjoy. That's exactly what God told the people. He said, you know, get out to the wilderness, come to the valley, come to the wilderness of Jeruel and watch what I will do. Just enjoy. Get your popcorns, get your soda, just come and enjoy. Don't try to help me. I'm going to show myself strong because the battle is mine. Amen. Man, I'm do you get this feeling in your spirit Amen. God wants to show, show off in your life? Amen. Why don't you close your eyes? Let's just pray. Father, for I stood up before the through the tomb, tomb of Lazarus and I told Martha, if you believe that you will see the glory of God. And I say to you folks right now, if you only let me shine greatly in your life, that I will show myself strong to the people that are around you and around your friends and around the people that despise you. I will show myself strong, but only if you allow me, says the Lord. Only if you allow me. I didn't ask you to help me. I didn't ask you to carry your cross to help me bear the burden of fulfillment. I ask you to allow me, says the Lord. For the battle belongs to me, says the Lord. And see what I will do greatly in your life. For many have said it is impossible for you to do great things. For I am not a vessel big enough to receive. But I say to you, who are you to say that you are a small vessel? But I have called clean and big. Who are you to call little and small, says the Lord. Father, I praise you, Lord. I bless you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, because you're an awesome and a prayer answering God, O oh Master. Lord, we break every limitation in our life, O oh Lord, to receive from you, O oh Lord. We call you to show yourself strong in our lives, O oh Master. Let the people around fear the God of Israel, O oh Master. Let the people around look at us and fear the God of our lives, O oh Master. Let them come running and find out what's special about us. Why the prosperity? Why the healing? Why the miracles? Why the thunder in our lives, O oh Master? Oh, Father, we are come to a time such as this, O oh Master, where no longer with the flesh of man will God you be pleased, but with the power and the strong arm of God will you be pleased, O oh Master. For you have sent your anointed one into this world to show himself strong. Father, when you say, if I am lifted up, I will draw man to me. Oh, Father, for long we have drawn and lifted ourselves up, O oh Master. Oh, Father, we ask you forgiveness, O oh Lord. Lord, let your word be powerful, O oh Lord. Let it have free reign, O oh Master. Lord, do such great work in our lives that the world has yet never seen, O oh Master. And let only you be given the glory, O oh Lord. Only you live great, O oh Master. 
in our lives, O oh Lord. Oh Father, we will come to the wilderness of Jeruel, O oh Master, and, be- and let it become like the valley of Baraka, O oh Lord. Let it be a place of blessing, O oh Master. Lord, for years we have toiled in the land, O oh Master, thinking that we will reap what we have sown, O oh Lord. But let it be a time where the harvester will overtake the reaper, O oh Master, where you will go ahead and harvest even in the places that we have not sown, O oh Master. Oh Lord, this will be a time that will be shown in this earth, O oh Lord, where your name will go ahead of us, O oh Master. Beyond us, O oh Lord, magnifying your son's name, O oh Jesus. Oh Master, let us not be a limitation to the Holy One of Israel, O oh Lord. Oh Master, we break every barriers of scale in our life. Oh, for battle belongs to you, O oh Lord. Oh Master, just as Jehoshaphat said, believe the Lord and believe his prophets and you will prosper. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just praise God? I have so many things to share, but I don't think we... I think it's just a moment to just worship God. I think God is about to break some limitations in our lives. The word that you've heard is enough, says the Lord. Bobby, the Lord says to you that the, the years that are ahead of you are going to be bountiful and money, says the Lord. I am I'm going to make you a flower that will bloom in its full blossom. For you, Lord, you have been saying to yourself that the years of blooming are over. But I say to you, watch and see what I will do in your life, says the Lord. For I will make you a mentor among women, says Allah. For you, you shall be a part unto many to guide them into the word of God, says Allah. I will see a woman's ministry coming out from your bosom, says Allah. Oh, Father, we praise you, Jesus. Father, we break every scales and limitations in our life, Allah. Oh, we worship you, Master. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Master. Oh, Lord, oh, Musu, no Christi, Nikirasta, la Karasta. No, Rumakasta, la Karasta, la Musu, no Christi. Oh, stand. The Lord says that you have sweated by the brows of, of sweat of your brows every day for so many years. Oh, Lord, oh, Karasta, your face of limitation in your whispery. But I say to you, says the Lord, if you would only believe me for the great and the wonderful things, for the powerful things, for you shall not look at your sin, for you shall not look at your limitations, you shall not look at your weakness, but you shall look at my glory, says the Lord. And if only you would do that, you would see incredible breakthrough in your work, says the Lord. Oh, we worship you, Master. Oh, we worship you, Master. Oh, Lord, oh, Musunu Kuristi Nikirasne Kata Masuro Kuristi Nikesta Makar. Oh, worship you, worship you, Master. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Master. Oh, Lord, Father, we call you Abba, Father, this evening time, Allah. Oh, Master, we walk in total fearlessness, O oh Lord, before you, O oh Lord. Lord, let us be people who would call upon you, O oh Lord, and receive everything that we ask for, O oh Master. Because we walk in total fearlessness, O oh Lord. We walk in total favor with you, O oh Jesus. We walk in total love towards you, O oh Lord.
believe his prophets and you will prosper. We worship you right now, oh Master, and set up ambushes among our enemies, oh Master. Oh, destroy our enemies, oh Lord. Oh Lord, so that you will have free reign, oh Lord, to walk in and make what rightfully belongs as ours, oh Master. Oh Lord, oh we worship you, Jesus. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, oh Lord. We thank you, oh Master. Oh, we just praise you. For the word says, the word says that thanksgiving is the highest form of faith. For if you can thank God right now, believing that everything that you ask for has already come, God saying that that is the greatest form of faith. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything that we ask for, everything that we believe, it is done for us. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we walk in praise of Jesus. Walk in praise, O Lord. We glorify you, O Jesus, because it's done for me, O Lord. It's done for me, O Lord, everything that I'm asking right now, O Lord. It's done for me, O Master. Oh, we glorify you because the battle is not mine, O Jesus. It's yours, O Lord. And we glorify you, O Lord. For it is yours, O Master, to do and to cause it to happen. And then we just rejoice, you Lord. We glorify you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. We glorify you in Jesus' name, O Master. We thank you, O Lord. We come into your gates with thanksgiving, O Master. We glorify you, O Jesus. Oh, we worship you. Oh, Lord, O Musulu Kuristi, Nikarasta, Lakarasta, Resource scratch no more, says the Lord. There shall no more be a resource scratch, says the Lord. To David and Lenny. Oh, Master. Oh, Father, we believe for impossible things, O oh Master. For the things that, for your word has come to our church, O oh Lord, saying yes of heaven is for us, O oh Master. And Father, we receive the yes of heaven, O oh Master. We believe your prophets and therefore we will prosper, O oh Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Master. We worship you, O King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, O oh Master. Oh, Lord, I'm assuming Christ in For health issues, allergies, Diabetes. If one is easy, the other is easy too, says the Lord. Oh, for God can say from one as a spiritual man. For it's never about you, says It's all about him. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise of Jesus. For we exalt you, O Lord. We worship you, Master. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, O Master. You reign, O Master. Jesus, you stood before the chief priest and you said, If my Father wants, I can get 72,000 angels before me. Father, we know, Lord, you are almighty, all-powerful, ever ready to save and to deliver, O Master. Oh, we worship you. Oh, we bless you, O Master. We bless you, Lord, for the incredible miracles in our lives, O Master. Incredible miracles through our hands. 
that are laid upon people to heal us. Incredible miracles through gifts of wisdom, Lord, through our lives for people all around us. Oh, Master, incredible miracles, oh Lord, that the world will see and wonder, oh Master. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We thank you, oh Master. We exalt you, oh Lord. Oh, we worship you, Master. Oh, we bless you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus right now. Yes. We receive a planted word to prosper us, to make us victorious. In Jesus' name. 